Hello, and again, welcome to BitDev. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Caleb Collins. Who is Caleb Collins? Uh, I'm a comedian and a, just a regular dude in Oklahoma <laughs> City. Uh, I don't really... I mean... Uh. <laughs> Do comedians, like... You know how comedians sometimes, like, refer to non-comedians as normies? Like, can you be a comedian and a regular dude? Uh... Yeah, because honestly, like, I don't really feel like I, like, I don't, uh, I guess, vibe fully with, like, the majority of comedians. Like, I don't have a problem with them, but it's just, I'm sort of not normal and not that. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of a super loner. <laughs> uh, tell me about, like, okay, it's, uh one, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get to here? <laughs> I grew up in Woodward, Oklahoma. Um, it's like right in the armpit of Oklahoma. Uh, it's a small town, sort of. Real small town people tell you it's not a small town because we have a Walmart. But uh, I mean, it's... Coming to a small town near you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, I lived there from ages 6 to 18. And then... I moved here uh, as soon as like in the summer after I graduated high school and lived here. All, like I, I spent like six months traveling and living out of my car, like in the middle of probably whenever I was like 20, 21 years old or so. And then um, I, I lived in Oregon for three months of that time. But uh, I don't know. I had this sweet opportunity to like, grow weed for this old man while he went on vacation and I just got to live in his house and smoke his pot and uh, eat his food. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I came back here and I had an office job and um, I got really into like stand-up comedy, like super nerd about like watched I've made my roommates so mad because like I only watched stand-up specials, but uh, then they, then like, I, uh, I was like, I want to try it. And then I tried it a couple times and then was like, all right, I'm going to quit my job and try to do this as much as I can and get a shitty job that allows me to do comedy. And, uh, I did that for a long time and then a pandemic happened and I, <laughs> <laughs> I wished I had a good job again at that point. And I just stayed at home for like two years and now I'm doing comedy again. So Hell yeah. Uh, what like drew you to comedy i mean sure it's funny but also like not everyone wants to do it yeah <laughs> uh i guess like again like that i'm a super loner like i i do have like a group of friends that i hang out with like or at the time we were all still friends we just you know you grow up you don't hang out as much as you did but we were we hung out all the time and I was always like pretty quiet, but whenever I did like speak up or like say something, it usually was funny. And so I was like, all right, maybe I could attempt to do comedy. And I don't know if that, I just tried it. Cause I, I guess I don't really know to be honest why I was like, I could do that. But I, I guess cause the first time I did it, I literally forgot like what I was talking about in the middle of my set and was like, Oh, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. 
I'll get it next time. Bye. And then like ran away. But then the second time I did it, I killed, like did one of the best sets that I've probably ever had still. And, uh, just because of that, I was just like, I could do this. Cause I, I did, but I don't know. I think it was just dumb luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's scary as shit. (laughs) I mean, I've never done comedy myself, but I know what it's like to like stand up in front of people and just be entertaining. And then it's even harder to like fucking structure words together to make people laugh. How do you, (laughs) yeah. Like how do you deal with that? Uh, I mean, you, for me, I feel like the point is to forget that, I'm trying to make, trying to entertain anybody and to just remember that I'm trying to entertain me. And like, if I can do that, then even if I bomb, I still had fun, but it's, I don't know. I feel like thinking about it like that is really helpful for if, if anybody could think about it like that, it would be helpful. Cause you can, it's like taking the whole, like imagine them all in their underwear a step further and just like, don't even imagine them just do it for you. And yeah. How did you like, yeah, you said that you took some time to just like watch a whole bunch of comedy specials. What, like, that's just kind of honing the craft or like studying or whatever. What did you get from that? Like, what what did you break down about the structure of comedy? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I did any of it consciously, like of breaking it down until after I started trying to do it, I guess, because it was more like, whenever I was doing that was just watching all the different ways it could be done, but not really focusing on any of it, just kind of enjoying it and soaking it up kind of subconsciously. But, um, then like, I wouldn't say that I really started to like stud, like consciously study it until after the first time, like the first time I truthfully bombed. Cause the first time I did it and forgot, I don't really count as a bomb. That's just, I failed, but the first time I bombed, it felt bad. <laughs> like, I felt so shitty for like three days. Like it was like I somebody broke my heart or something. Yeah. But uh, so after that, I went home and I found this YouTube uh, series. I think it was Jimmy Fallon series, maybe, but it was the called the worst I ever bombed, and it was just all these comedians who are people who have made it talking about times that they've bombed. And so it was really helpful in a way of like, okay, so everybody bombs. And then after that started like really paying attention to the way people get laughs and like the different, cause it's, it's almost just like word magic. Like mm-hmm. it's just different tricks and stuff, but it's, I don't know. I mean, I like British comedy more than American comedy most of the time. Cause they're like, they're weird. They're real weird about what they're doing up there. And, I guess it's also like British alternative comedy because there's regular British comedy, which is like, me, it's pretty good. But the British alternative comedy is this other beast that's just uh, so like some of the bits are so long form that like Stuart Lee is my favorite comic of all time. And he'll do like 30 minutes on one topic where the first 15 minutes are like designed to be bad so that the next 15 minutes is like, Oh, he did that on purpose. And then it, I I mean, I I could talk about it all day, but I feel like it's not interesting. (laughs) But like, that's the, 
yeah, I think getting into like the the word magic part of it, uh, let's, let's go into like what is bombing, what is happening mm. when <laughs> when you start feeling that. Uh, it's well, I I kind of think the main part of like what it means to be good at stand up is to be bombing and then learn how to to not bomb before your set's over. So like. That's really being good at comedy because you could write good jokes all day, but if you're at a crowd that doesn't dig it and you can't turn it around, like you're, I mean, it happens to everybody, but that's the true skill skill set to me is getting out of a, a, a dive bomb. But it feels, it just, people aren't understanding like where you're coming from or your timing is off. Like I did a set the other day at an open mic and I just hadn't done sets in a while and it ate shit and it was all jokes I'd done before. So I knew that they worked, but then when I got to a newer joke that I did at the very end, that, that got a, a table of people to be like really into it. And I think it's just because like those older jokes, the timing was no longer like, the timing wasn't authentic anymore. It was something that in my head I was like, oh, I do this and da 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 and da 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 pa and like that's whether it's a conscious register or subconscious, the audience can feel that. And so once I got to the newer joke where it was like it was an authentic timing and I was having fun saying the things I was saying, they were on board again. So I kind of think it's just I mean, I used to have a joke about it, like that the two the audience controls you with their mood and you control them with yours and like because if you're visibly and audibly or even if they can just feel that you're having a bad time like it makes them not have as much fun and vice versa but i do think that the comic is the one that has more con it's like a 60 40 deal like you have more control than them and so you just if you can register that like i just need to act like I'm having a better time than you. That's one way to turn it around sometimes. I don't know. I mean, sure. Well, no, it, it does sound like, you know, if, if you're just kind of using the old jokes and if it's just kind of rehearsed or whatever, then you're, you don't even believe in the joke anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is like, you know, coming from music world, like, because, music is a little bit of an enigma to like a lot of people you can kind of you know get through a song by rote and people still enjoy what's happening because like music is still just like enjoyable on its own but like no matter what like the words that you're saying to people like have to stick <laughs> yeah. you you can't just like play through a song in in joke form because yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and like i i mean i don't know i don't know what i was gonna say <laughs> that's okay that's okay <laughs> um and then i don't know one of one of my fallbacks of this is like getting down to like the the bedrock of things like what the fuck is a joke <laughs> it's a surprise it's uh and it doesn't even have to be a good surprise like it just has to be i kind of think that there's mult like i mean also like it's really i feel like one thing for comics that's really hard is to be like 
I know what I'm talking about. Cause like, I'm, again, I'm just some guy, like I'm an idiot, but I, I have my own ideas about comedy, I guess. And I think one thing that a joke is, is telling somebody something that they already thought before their brain got there. Like whatever you say, whatever comes next in your sentence has to be, it has to make sense, but you have to get there before their brain arrives there. Or it's saying to somebody like what they already think before they knew that they thought it or before they knew that they could think such a thing. Like, cause you can be really like Andy Kaufman has a bit where he just, he's like the experimental God of comedy, but he has a bit where he literally just did gibberish, but he knew that the whole idea of like the tension and release and timing of comedy that he just was like, like just made weird sounds, but then did them at the right times and it got laughs. Yeah. yeah. So it's a joke is, it's really hard to say what that is, but at, at, at its core, it's a surprise. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, and I think that the connection here that I'm making between like comedy and music is very like, you know, the things that, we do in music is a, a lot of that as well. The tension and release mm -hmm. and like where we're going and all of that. But like music is doing it, I guess with different emotions. <laughs> yeah. I think I agree with that. Cause like a music, music could make you feel a lot of things. Like, I don't know. It can make you like, if I hear the, uh, when Prince did the Super Bowl, whenever he plays Purple Rain at the Super Bowl and the whole audience joins in to sing the O's with him, that without fail, tears come out of my eyes for that part. But I don't, can't really, I don't know why, yeah. but there's no comedy, I think, that could ever like be like, I'm crying because that was beautiful. But music gets to do that, which is, it's really cool. I don't know. Music definitely gets to explore motion in a larger spectrum. Yeah, but that's not to say that comedy can't do those kinds of things, though, because there are ways of, like, you know, pulling apart your heart as well as making you laugh with it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one thing that I'm thinking of is, like, what is a comedian's comic? <laughs> uh, it would. It's different depending on the comedian that you talk to, because, like, the other day... A, a comic that I know was asking me, like, he was like, who is that comic that used to live here that like only did jokes for the audience. And then when he said his name, I was like, I didn't ever, I didn't think that guy was funny, but, <laughs> but for me, a comedian's comedian is somebody that like can do things that I didn't know you could do with comedy or like, like Stuart Lee, Tony law. Uh, those two guys are, they they're really just doing it for them and so it they can do things i think they can surprise me like a lot of comics that because i've watched so much comedy and then been at so many open mics a lot of times when somebody's telling a joke like i can already kind of be like i know what you, you're gonna say or like i know where you're headed with it and sometimes the place that they're headed with it is like even disappointing where it's just like why why would you think that that like, I don't, but at the same time, that makes me feel really pretentious to like think that type of thing. But it's, I think it's, 
I feel like a comedian's comedian is just somebody that takes silly steroids, like <laughs> just really cranks it up. But other comics would tell you that a comedian's comedian is the one that does not care and will say the most offensive thing they can think of, which I, I disagree with, but I think that that's a really popular move in the comedy world right now. Yeah, let's get into that. I mean, I feel like uh, I've talked about this with the other comedians that I've had on here, but like, it's one thing to like play music and like be in the right crowd, right? Like you can, you can still like put on a good performance, even if like people aren't paying attention to you. Whereas with comedy, it like requires that feedback loop. Like you, you're, it doesn't matter how good your jokes are. If they're not laughing, you're comedying bad. Yeah. Uh, and so like the, the audience is shaped by culture and your comedy has to be shaped by culture as well. So like as things change, you know, there's the comedians that are like, Oh, I should still be able to say whatever offensive shit that I want. And it's your fault if you don't think it's funny or if you think I shouldn't be making jokes about this, but like, yeah, where, where does that land in comedy world right now? Well, I, I kind of think that, That anything, I, I, I mildly agree with like, anything can be funny. You can make a joke about anything, but I think it's hard. Like, I think it's really, really hard to make a joke about some things and not even worth trying. Like, it's not worth trying to make jokes about like, I don't even know what, just offensive things. I, but it's not to say that I think it's impossible, mm-hmm. but I just think very few people are skilled enough to do that. And like, it's, everything's a puzzle with comedy to me. So I think every puzzle can be solved, but there are certainly some puzzles which I don't care to solve. Like, it, like I, I don't know, I... I just think that it's, yeah, it's not, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, it's it's not worth your time to like try and solve a hundred year puzzle or whatever. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's not for me. Like yeah. I, it's just, I just want to be silly. But I think, I also think though that like right now in Oklahoma City, there's a, a lot of the same in the comedy scene, which there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's just. It's better, no matter what is going on, I feel like within any scene that's art-driven or entertainment-driven, I feel like there's quite a divide in comedy. Like, to say that it's art is almost, like, just, I don't know, like, having your head up your own ass, but then it's it also might be art, so I don't, I don't know what to... But it's, uh, I feel like within any art scene there needs to be difference. Like there, there should be spaces for everybody. If you want to have your offensive thing, it doesn't have to happen everywhere. Like I'm not trying to stop your freedom of speech, whatever that means. But I also think that there should be spaces where you can't do that type of stuff. Like you're not allowed to say whatever you want. Insert like, I don't know. That's uh 
That's something that I think has become missing from comedy since the pandemic is places where safe places, safe spaces for people to be silly and wacky and weird and themselves. And cause now like a lot of the open mics I went to, it was a lot of the same, like almost just like people's punchline were like, was like stereotypes and stuff. And that was disappointing, but it's not wrong. They're not wrong. Like to be, I don't know for, if that's their sense of humor, that's what makes them laugh and whatever, but it's, it's not for me. And I don't think that it's the only thing that there should be. There should be. And I also don't think the only thing that there should be is the weirdos. Like it should be everything, but I'm, I don't know. It's hard to, it's definitely, I don't know. I, I feel like whatever I just said wasn't quite coherent, well, no, but, but I, I think like, I agree with that because, but like, I think at the core of it, it's still like, if the audience isn't laughing, you're still doing comedy. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> and agree. So, like if, if you're just offending everyone in the room and just trying to be like, no, I'm funny. You guys are the ones that are wrong. It's like, no man, we're not laughing. Yeah. You're doing your job badly. Yeah. I agree <laughs> with that. I, I think it's also like, it's so like one time I was doing a set and people, nobody wanted to listen or like pay attention. They're all just talking to each other. And so I continued to do my set, but turned around and faced the wall and just told my jokes at the wall. And then eventually I heard it get quiet behind me. And then eventually I heard it, people laughing at the right times behind me. And then I just turned back around and did the set like normal. But it was interesting for me to be like, so it's not necessarily that I was doing a bad job in that situation. It was that they didn't have a, like in their minds, I hadn't proven, I guess, that I was deserved of their attention yet. But for some reason, completely ignoring them, ignoring me made them all be like, all right, yeah, we'll pay attention to you. But I, I don't, so it is, it's hard to say like that it's, it's always people doing their job bad, but I guess it, again, it comes back to, the thing of like feeling like what actually makes somebody good at comedy is knowing how to turn it around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think that in that instance, you were doing your job well because like people weren't paying attention to you and then you were able to get them to laugh. And if like the whole point is to get people to laugh, yeah. then like if you're able to turn that around, literally, you like <laughs> you, you are doing your job well. And so it's like, like, I agree with you. You should be able to joke about anything. But yeah, it's like, are they laughing? Yeah. And that's the real point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Are they laughing? And like, I feel like there's a ratio that needs to be had. Like, if you're going to be offensive, you at least have to be as clever as you are offensive. Like, it has to be a one-to-one -one ratio, but preferably, like, the cleverness should be a higher level. But I mean... I just kind of try to stay away from offensive stuff because I, that's not my, how my, like, I'm not here to solve the world's issues. Like I'm just here to talk about like stupid stuff, donuts and shit. Sure. Right. But like, again, it, if that is a puzzle that you want to solve, like you can try it, mm -hmm. but be prepared that like, yeah. maybe you're going to eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is. And, and don't like get your feelings hurt if like, Oh, it is you who is wrong. Like, nah, man. That's there's actually so I read this article about like a lot of people think that awkward people are good at comedy 
because they're awkward, but it's really that awkward people seem like they're good at comedy because people who aren't awkward don't last as long like in com because awkward people are very used to being embarrassed in a social setting. Like their callous to embarrassment is stronger. So when a somebody that's like always well-liked and crushing it in social situations gets on stage and bombs, it hurts them a lot worse than it hurts an awkward person. So it's, I feel like the people that get their feelings hurt on stage, it's just like, just, I don't know, go get laughed at by a bunch of classmates like for a while and then come back and try. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's, I feel like the callous to embarrassment is like very important in comedy. Right. I think that that is a part of the, the learning curve of doing it is that like, how else are you going to learn whenever you're doing well or when you're not? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, what, what do you think has evolved for you? Like, what are some of the things that maybe whenever you first started, you were like, man, these are, these are my shit. And then now you sort of look back at it and be like, ah, maybe not the greatest anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess like whenever I first started, I, I kind of tried to write a lot of jokes that were like weird joke structures like i i didn't even know the term joke structure until i'd been doing comedy for like a month and then uh i brought him up before the podcast but this dude matt rainey uh just said the term joke structure to me one day and i was like what's that and then he was like well the standard joke structure is setup misdirect punchline and then that immediately made me realize why the comedy rule of threes works and then like I just wanted to come up with all these, like, that was like, okay, so it's not about writing jokes. It's about coming up with joke structures and then filling them up with words. And like, that's, um, when I first started, I wanted to come up with really weird joke structures. And I, I tried a lot of really weird things that I don't think I would try now because at the start it was like I knew I was gonna bomb a lot, so why not really swing for the fences? And is that the saying "swing for the fences"? I think so. Yeah, right. I don't even know why, like, <laughs> why that's the saying and what that fucking means. Yeah. But like, yeah. When I said it just now, I was like, that can't be it. But, <laughs> but yeah, so like when I first tried, I would I tried to write like five minute things. I once wrote a, a ten minute thing that was all about seeing scuba stores around town and like it slowly went to, as like I was like I saw this one and then like it just it was ridiculous but it, it was fun but it I won't probably do that joke ever again so it's kind of just stuff like that like the really long form although I would like to do really long form again but I guess more the really I would like to get back to experimenting anyway. I don't know. I was about to say the long form experimental stuff. I'll probably stop, but I don't think I, I would like to get back to doing that. I just haven't done it in a while. Cause, um, I guess the pandemic, but then also like the lack of a place to do something like that. Like I would like to think that the open mic that I'm having now is a place where people can do stuff like that and be weird and wacky, but I'm hosting, so I, I don't necessarily get to do like a long form thing like that, but that's fine because um, I guess to bring it back to your question, when I first started, I never thought I'd host anything or be able to, but now that I'm doing it, it's fun and um, 
I'm trying to figure out more ways to kind of make it my own thing, but uh, I I hope that more stuff pops up in the city where you can be weird because I would like to get back to being a weirdo. But uh, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, which is something else I'm going to ask about. But first, uh, I realized what swing for the fences means, which okay. is uh, baseball, which is why I didn't in- oh, immediately connect in my head because I don't give a shit about <laughs> sports. When they throw the ball at you, you swing really hard and you try and hit all the way back to the fences. I thought it was so about yeah, punching. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You, we both played sports at some point, right? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I did, uh, yeah, I did a little baseball and then I was like, this sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, tell me about your open mic. Why would you start an open mic in Oklahoma City? And how was, how was that process? Uh, it was a long process because... It started, I mean, I had the idea at some point in 2022, like early 2022, and it didn't start until uh, February 6th, 2023. So, but it, I mean, I was at first working with another comic to try to get it started and that just didn't really work out with no, like there's no bad blood or anything it just didn't really quite the cards didn't fall quite right for that to happen so I just um I contacted a place and I let them know what I wanted to do uh and they had never respond uh and then so I contacted another place and explained to them what I wanted to do why I wanted to do it and what I what I needed from them to make it happen and they were just like all right yeah you want to come meet with me and so I did and then she was awesome like she was really cool about everything that I was saying and why I wanted to do it and like really cool about um making it a safe space like and making sure that uh certain toxic um things would not be allowed there or if they did happen there I could make them make it to where that you got to go and you can't come back. And she was super supportive of all that. And whenever I told her, like, at first I told her one reason why I I wanted it to be that way. And then she was like, you know what? You don't have to tell me any of the other reasons. I trust you now. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, This is awesome. But so then I just kind of, it just sort of, I guess like, because all the people I came up with doing comedy uh, they're all, a lot of them have kids now and they have uh, adult jobs where they got to be up in the morning. And so because it's kind of an earlier mic, it was somewhere that they could all go. And then also they, a lot of them are weirdos. And so for them to have a place where they knew they could come be weird, I think just brought a lot of people out and, it's been going really well, like a lot of cool, a lot of really funny stuff, a lot of really weird stuff, music's there, poetry, literally like if you, if the list wasn't full and somebody came to me and they were like, I can jump like fucking good, I would be like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's see that. I'm curious what that means. But, uh, so it's, I, I want m- more people to come. I want more types of talents to happen. Uh, but comedy will always be my favorite for sure. But I mean, the more the merrier. Yes. 
uh, we can talk around it more, but like, you know, where is it? When is it? Oh, uh, it is on Mondays, uh, every Monday, sign up at six 30 show starts at seven. Um, there's one featured performer each week and one featured artist who will have a table where they sell all like they can sell or showcase their work. Um, and it is at Fairweather Friend Brewery, uh, and Pizza Place. They have like the best cheese sticks I've ever had. Uh, and they have cannolis. So that's cool. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you want it to go? Uh, physically, I want it to stay at Fairweather <laughs> Friend, but so you can keep enjoying those cheese sticks. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'd like it to just become a space for people like, I don't know if you're a weird person and that's how like you feel like you're a weird person, come, come kick it like that. You'll, you don't, don't, if you're afraid of getting on stage, like come hang out for a few times first, or maybe never get on stage. Just come hang out and watch people have a good time and be a part of it, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I'm more about like, I don't necessarily have a plan because I don't feel like I'm in control of where it goes in that sense. I think it's more of just like, I get to, I'm at the front of the train, but like, I don't get to decide where it goes. It's just going to go places. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like I guess just doing comedy in Oklahoma city. Uh, it's not like a hub for <laughs> really much of anything entertainment wise yet, but like, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, when I started Oklahoma city had a really cool, really weird comedy scene where, uh, there, when I first started, it was at an open mic called public access, which was hosted by a guy named Matt Rainey at that time. Uh, and he was really cool and really like um, encouraging to anybody that was new that wanted to try it. Uh, and then that got handed off to some other comics, that open mic, and they kept the vibe as it was, uh, which was just weird and have fun. And um, sort of it was a safe space for anybody that Oklahoma City's very uh, conservative. And so it was sort of a safe space for anybody that was not conservative <laughs> and wanted to be, wanted to, if you wanted to tell political material that wasn't necessarily Republican based, it was a place where that could go well for you. Um, or if you wanted to tell material that was just purely silly, like, and wacky, you could do that there. Uh, a lot of, I felt, feel like I saw a lot of absurdist material happen there. And I feel like a lot of places in Oklahoma City, if you tried to do that, like it just wouldn't go. But since the pandemic, the scene is different for sure. Uh, but I do think doing comedy in Oklahoma City is fun. Like I, I have fun. I feel like a lot of comics, when I say fun to them, they're like, you think it's fun? And it's just like, why are you doing it? Like if you don't, well, if you want to do it for more than fun you need to move like because there's no other reason to do it in okc other than to have a good time but uh i don't know i mean the the scene's a cool like I, there's a lot of cool comics in oklahoma city like 
I don't know. I I feel like if I start to rattle off names, I will inevitably leave people out. I wished I would have said so. I just won't. I won't rattle off names. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You're all you're all the best comic in Caleb's eyes, uh, <laughs> except for you. You know who you are. That's right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> all three of you. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk more about this, but we have to get to the questions that make bit depth, bit depth, uh, and now to start grilling you and hopefully we can still keep laughing, but what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Not much. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I don't, uh, I used to be religious, um, but then it didn't make sense. <laughs> so I stopped and then... T tell me about that journey, actually. Okay. Uh, I mean, I grew up really, really... Like, I won't say I grew up really religious. My parents were very religious growing up. But I was... As a kid, it was the same as, like, I don't know, Santa. Like, it's, you're just told it's real and you're just like, wow, yeah. But... Um, then at some point, well, it was my junior year of high school, uh, a documentary about the Big Bang was just on Discovery Channel, and I thought the space stuff looked cool, so I watched the whole thing, and at the end, I was like, that makes fucking sense. <laughs> that, <laughs> that makes more sense. So I was like, I'm with that. But then I went to church camp with some friends, uh, and I... I remember they forced us to have like prayer. It was quiet time maybe, but you're supposed to go off into the woods and like be alone and read the Bible. And I let the wind just do its thing with the pages and then was like, boom, and then started reading right there. And it said some shit about like how, like look around, look at nature, look at the trees, look at the sky and the earth and everything. And I was like in the middle of the woods. So it was like, Oh, this is nature is fuck. But then it was like for all the non-believers, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was like the perfect thing. It was like, hasn't God, you're, you want proof, something like that. And this isn't verbatim, but it was like something along the lines of like, you want proof. Hasn't God made it obvious to you? Just look around. And like, then I just felt like this intense euphoria, like, and, in my mind at the time, I decided that that feeling was God because it was intense. It was really, really big feeling that I'd never felt before. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess this dude's legit. And then like, um, and then I was like really into it for like six months, a year, probably a year. And uh, then just kind of slowly stopped believing like after certain things caused that feeling again that weren't good. Like the first time um, I ever said like, I love you to somebody and they said it back and like to this girl. And I don't know that, that I had that feeling again. And I was like, well, what's going on? And then like the first time I did LSD, I had that feeling again. And so I decided that it wasn't God. And it's, I mean, to be, I guess this is the point of this podcast. So I decided that feeling was the, f the feeling of feeling like you truthfully and 100% love something and then really believing that 
you are loved back in the same way. So I feel like that's why I had that feeling with God because it made me feel like I love God. And also it's, you're told that God loves you back. So boom, acid just is firing off all the neurons and love and stuff. And then the, with the girl, it was the exact thing of like telling someone you love them and being that vulnerable and then having them say it back to you and like really feeling like they feel it too. And then just butterflies come out of your chest. So I, I don't think God is, is real, but I do believe that there's a reason why people believe in it. Like there's nobody's just like, yeah, it's real. Like, I mean, I guess some people are, but like there's, there's a reason people made it up and it wasn't just for control. Like I'm certain that that's a big part of it or like what it morphed into, but somebody one day had a crazy feeling and they couldn't figure out why they had it. And they're like, it's God. That's, that's why I think it happened. So I don't, I don't think people that are religious are like, wacky or anything i just think they that's that's their interpretation of their feelings which are feelings are they're hard to yeah 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 uh the follow-up question surrounding that is like what is your definition of god which i feel like you you pretty much did right there yeah (laughs) (laughs) so then uh what is free will uh a sham. No, I don't know. <laughs> it, have you had anybody on the podcast that doesn't believe in free will? I don't believe in free will. Oh, word. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I one time a friend got so mad at me because I was like, I don't think free will is real, and he was like, so if I just become a junkie, it's not even my fault. I'm like, I mean, whoa, like. <laughs> Are you on drugs? But I mean, um. Free will's tough because you don't decide to be hungry. You don't decide to be thirsty. You don't decide who you're attracted to, not even just on a gender level, but on a, you don't decide to be attracted to specific people. Like you don't decide any of your feelings. Like people will say like mind over matter, you can make yourself happy, which you kind of can, but I don't really think that you can hit a switch and be like, I feel joy or whatever it takes some work yeah so free it's it's tough because your body really chooses to tell you what to do and then you make these really um minor decisions based on like if your body's like we're hungry and so you eat and you do choose what to eat but does that matter like or like you don't choose to go to the, that you need to go to the bathroom. I guess you choose to do it on a toilet, but I mean, (laughs) sometimes people don't like, and in a real decision, like in high school, there was this place that was like a 24 hour diner. It was like the only place like that in this town I grew up. And we were there one day and my friend said he had to go to the bathroom and somebody was like, do it in your pants. And he was weird. So he just, peed in his pants in the booth it was terrible but like i mean it's hard to say like i I guess that's i don't know free will's tough because it's he didn't decide that he needed to go to the bathroom right then but he totally decided to do it in the booth but 
I guess that matters. I don't know. I want to know what yours is. I have you- sure. Yeah. And, and I've answered it. So like, I'll, I'll give the, the short version, uh, and sorry once again for, <laughs> for all of you that get to hear this again, but like, yeah, uh, yeah, we are the product of genes and environment and like, no matter how much you like try to drill it down, like, I don't think there's any like non-magical thinking way of like establishing free will like the further down you keep breaking it down like there is a cause to that effect and then a cause to that cause and like it just keeps going down and so you just like go all the way back to the big bang if you want but like you know that's it's we're all just kind of going and like it's not to say that we don't make decisions or that our decisions don't matter. Like we do make the decisions, but like those are the, the decisions that we were going to make. Okay. So, <laughs> so like what we said, what you said a minute ago, whenever I was talking about like, you can't just flip a switch and be like, I feel joy now. You said it takes a lot of work. So to do you, so what you're saying is like, if you do decide to do that work, you would have, that would have been your decision regardless. Yeah. But like, I mean, it is this sort of, uh, fourth dimensional time travel thing if you will like uh we do shape the world around us mm-hmm. and those things matter yeah uh there were causes that like led to those effects beforehand mm-hmm. but like the things that we do still matter and like the downstream effects of the things that we do now are going to enforce themselves upon the world later and so like i can tell you methods that you can use to reduce your negative thoughts uh and you can do that work and like cool like but yeah you decide to do that work but it would have been different if i hadn't said that to you or whatever other like yeah yeah so like everything is just kind of a downstream effect from each other and like yeah the things that we do now influence the future but like so did everything before then <laughs> i see okay right on. i know it's it like starts to become circular but like it, it snake goes. eating its own yeah, tail yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i agree though i mean sure, sure. yeah i i think that if I really have to get down to what I believe it's very similar to what, what you believe about free will but I I also think that from me it's probably better to just operate with a belief of I I don't know I mean I guess it doesn't matter I'm not the type of person that I think it it, it would affect if I if I truthfully thought that I had no free will or if I if I 100% thought that I definitely I don't I guess we don't because I don't think either way it would affect what I do. Right. And so uh <laughs> the difference then becomes it's like how it affects an individual versus how it like affects systems and structures and stuff. Yeah. And so like I I do strongly believe that like we should structure systems with the belief that people don't have free will and that would create much better downstream effects as opposed to like but when you break down to it on the individual level, it doesn't really yeah. change anything. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think that there are some people that if you told them they didn't have free will, they would just be like, well, I'm going to do bad things now. And it's just like my friend, I guess that sure, I was talking, right. but 
maybe you were never a good person to begin with. Yeah, I guess if you found, if you're like, there's an excuse to be evil, like you're probably just evil, like, yeah, yeah. at your core. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's actually like one of my, uh, I'll skip one of these questions because we can segue into this one. Uh, how do you determine what good behavior is? Uh, <laughs> it's tough because it's like, It's, I don't really think it's possible to be an ethical consumer, but also if I don't consume, then I'll die. So like, I kind of think at its core, almost everything is selfish. Like if you really break it down, why are you doing this? Then it's, if you ask why enough, you get back to a point of it's for me, regardless of if I like... I don't know if the question was like, why would you save a person that was drowning if you're a good swimmer? And it's like, well, because if I watched them die, I would feel bad. And it's like, well, it was about you anyway. So, but it's, uh, so it's hard. It, I think that it's good if you, if you want to, if what you're going to do doesn't directly harm anybody else, then you're on the right track. But, I don't know. I mean, I had a, I had a friend who for a while I think was probably the most ethically ethical consumer in the, that not in the world, obviously, but <laughs> that I've ever, cause he literally lived in the woods. He built his house out of hempcrete. He had one pair of pants and if they got a hole in them, he just put a patch on them till they were literally all patches. But I mean, he didn't waste a lot of fabric by buying a new pair of pants and he, uh, he grew his own food. Um, he got his water. For, I don't know where he got his water from a well probably, but I mean, it, but he does all that and then he still goes and buys like Jack Daniels and stuff. So it's, it's, I mean... And not to say drinking's bad. I guess the point that I'm making is that Jack Daniels is a corporation that doesn't probably care about what they do with their stuff. And also, I don't think he lived that way because he cared about the environment. I think he lived that way because he didn't want anybody telling him what to do. So he lived out in the woods. But uh, so did, I don't know how you determine what good behavior is. Like on a grand scale, I have no idea how. But on a minor scale, when you zoom in and you forget about the rest of the world uh or you forget about i don't know i i guess i don't know just try, i feel like all you have as a human being is your influence and that's it and other than that everything else could be taken from you in an instant so if you use your influence for good or to try to show people that working together rather than taking advantage of others is the better route that to me, that's good behavior is trying to work together rather than take advantage of other people or things. Um, not taking more than you need. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's that hard sounds question. good to me. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think happens when we die? Um, could be... I mean, 
for a long time, I felt like it was just a big sleep. Like it's just, you're done, but it's like when you're asleep and not dreaming. So it's just nothing. But, um, now I think it's probably just something that we can't fathom. Like, uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of people that have died and come back to life and that went somewhere weird. I've had friends that have done DMT and had these really weird trips that like I had one friend that did DMT and then supposedly I believe him because he like kind of broke down whenever he was telling me about it but he relived his father's entire life on DMT and then like he was at his father's deathbed you know like when and so he when he's tripping and he's his dad he's looking up at himself and I guess like some shit happened where his dad like said something when he died and everybody's like, what the fuck's he talking about? And so when he lived out his dad's life, he said it again. And then he realized what his dad was talking about because he got to live it. But then what made it extra crazy is that he went through these photo albums afterwards of people. He knew people he'd never met, but he met him when he was his dad and he was like, knew their names and stuff about them. And his mom was like, how the fuck do you know? But so it could be reincarnation in some weird sort of way. It could be that we're all the same person, like, but also we're rocks too and like the birds and stuff. Um, to be honest, I, I, I think it's probably just something that we can't really fathom and maybe reincarnation has something to do with it, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't think reincarnation is karma based. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's all based on like, if you were a piece of shit, you're now a worm, but I, I, it's just sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. And also, it's like, is it necessarily bad to be a worm? I don't think worms can feel pain. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it could. laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's, it's probably not. Yeah, it's probably not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some uh, some biologists correct me on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, was, uh, do you believe humans are evil by nature? Mm. depends on what evil is I guess like uh, I guess that goes back to like what I was saying earlier everything is done out of selfishness so um, maybe but I think I don't know I mean the free will argument makes it tough as well because <laughs> It's like if we don't have free will, because what I was about to say is that we might be evil by nature, but we can also choose to go against that um, because of like thought and language and all that. We've had a, a lot of time to rethink about instincts and stuff like that. But I, I think that instinctually we're very selfish, which can lead to being whatever evil is, I guess. Um, so, um, no, I mean, and I think that that distinction is important, right? Like between evil and selfish, like it, it's not necessarily evil for you to be like, I have to go to the bathroom. Like it's a selfish act to like yeah. relieve yourself of this discomfort, but like <laughs> it's, it's not evil to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I 
I can't, I guess I, that, that's what I think is that we could like, if we just go with what our instincts are, we're going to be very selfish and that can lead to, I guess if you're like cruel, that's, that's, but that's beyond, I don't know if anybody's instincts tell them to be cruel. So no. Sure. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Locked it in yeah. for all of time. Uh, <laughs> Does everybody think about stuff this much? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, like, you know, not everyone has thought about it before, but like, yeah, I, well, I part guess of this process is us thinking it out loud and like okay. really, yeah, like this shit's hard. I don't ask these questions because they have answers. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to have answers. So these are impossible questions. And that's kind of the point. The fun is in experiencing where our thoughts go. Okay. Through this. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. What do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? Uh, uh, it could be cool. <laughs> it could be bad. It could be. I would like to think that like we're getting smarter and less conquer oriented, but I don't think that's the case because it seems like people are super like conquer oriented, like destroy mind smash, smash. Like I win and, uh, that was like, it's tough. I kind of think we're going the way of like, I think we're, it feels like we're at the end of our uh, turn in civilization wise. Like we had a good run, but somebody else is going to take the lead soon and they might start several steps back or they might start right where we leave off, which is debatable where that is like uh i mean it seems like uh seems like people aren't really super focused on getting smarter anymore which is frustrating because or they are focused on getting smarter but they don't know what that means like with people people read they just read facebook and stuff like and so they think that vaccines are bad or whatever stuff like that like so and like they didn't get that idea on their own they read it so it's like you guys are reading it's just what are you read where did you get that where and why is that like common commonplace now so i i don't know i guess i think that It could get cooler and it could get worse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I what I really believe on that one. Fair enough. What makes you optimistic for our future? Uh, or what are you optimistic about for our future? Um, for the future of like the world? Could be also for you, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I got married last uh, year. So Congrats. yeah, I'm psyched about that. <laughs> uh, we're, we're pretty, we're super, I don't know. We're like, we're both weird as fuck. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like 
I don't know. We just finished watching Community and when we were task. What? Yeah, so we're in the last season. And then my wife goes, Hey, when we finish this, you want to start it over? <laughs> I was like, Yes, I do. She was like, But we should pay attention to the backgrounds. And I was like, All right, yeah, let's do this. So now we're in season three of our background observation. But uh, so, like, for the future of me personally, I'm pretty psyched for m my future in terms of happiness and all that stuff. Um, in terms of the future of the world, I find it frightening. Uh, but I also think that it's going to be okay because that's what you got to tell yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I wait. All right. So optimist, oh, yeah, yeah. optimistic for, uh, uh, comedy, I guess in, in, in OKC and in the world, I guess I'm optimistic for the wave of art that got pushed down during the pandemic because I feel like a giant wave of music, comedy, performance art of any kind is going to come crashing upon us because a bunch of really artistic people that also were smart enough to know they needed to stay home sat in their house for two and a half years, two years. And so now everybody's itching to do something again. So I'm optimistic for that. Yeah, absolutely. What makes you content? Uh, that, just, that just means like chill, right? Like I'm sure. cool with just being yeah. existing. Not uh, necessarily happy, but like, you know. I mean, I'm definitely content. I mean, just... Just watching TV makes me pretty content. Like I feel real happy, just or not real happy, but content. Just yeah. uh, watching TV over and over and hanging out with my wife. Both of those. Well, hanging out with her makes me pretty happy. But I mean, yeah, TV. Uh, watching a fire. That makes me feel content. Not a bad one. Not like burning a building, <laughs> like a fire pit, controlled fire. <laughs> uh, or I'm also pretty content. Like, I don't remember the last time cereal made me happy, but cereal has never made me upset. So it's, I think, cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Until you find like a dried shrimp tail or whatever in it. That was the thing that happened. Uh, that happened to you? No, no. <laughs> no, it, it happened and the internet found out. I see. Okay. Things happen on the internet. Uh, <laughs> when will you be satisfied? Uh, with everything? <laughs> I mean, I'm satisfied with multiple areas of my life right now, but I'm also unsatisfied with some areas of my life as well. And I'm content in others, like where I would like more, but it's okay. Like, I don't feel unsatisfied, I guess. And in, in like, as far as comedy goes, like I'm content. I wouldn't say I'm satisfied because I don't want to quit. Sure. But I also wouldn't say I'm unsatisfied because it's not like I'm unhappy with what's happening. Um, so I don't think I'll ever be fully satisfied ever because I feel like if you do get to a point of complete satisfaction, like, what are you going to, what are you doing then? Just 
feel like you just sit down and that's it. I don't know. So never. Sure. (laughs) What advice do you have for people in general? Uh, Uh, I don't know. If you are a weird person, that probably means that you could do something cooler than most people could. Because if if you're normal, whatever you're going to do is just like a million other things that's already happened. But if you're weird, whatever you're going to do is probably only like a quarter of a million things that have already happened. So less people have seen it. So you should do that, whatever Whatever it is you want to do, I think you should just do it as long as it's not like directly hurting other people uh, or animals yeah. or the environment. But yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> tough. I like. Uh, whenever I worked at that office, my, the first time I had my birthday there, I was like, I want pie. And then they got me one. And then um, on the office, when it was Creed's birthday, he was like, bring me pie. And I was like, God damn it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm Creed. So, but pie, blueberry, blueberry pie. <laughs> yeah. Caleb, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, for sure. It was fun. Where can people find you and your things and support you and your stuff? Instagram at Foster Bread. Uh, or Facebook at just type in Caleb Collins um, or that's all at my open mic you can find me there I don't do much on the internet yeah it's a weird the internet's weird yeah 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 go to the open mic I've been meaning to go to one of them but I also uh, tend to record these things <laughs> on Mondays. When does this go on? Uh, Thursday. Thursday. So the next one after this goes on will be March 6th. Uh, and it happens at Fairweather Friend, 314 North Klein Avenue or Boulevard. 314 North Klein. I don't know the the post. Google will figure it out. Yeah, but Alyssa Skaggs is going to be our featured comic uh, that evening. Come see Alyssa Skaggs. Be funny. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, once again, Caleb, thank you for this for doing this with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Caleb Collins. Uh, I usually end the since it's mostly musicians on this podcast. I usually end with like you know people playing uh, or like ripping a song from YouTube of that artist. Uh, <laughs> but in, instead, what I don't know what to like put at the end of this. Is there like a local artist you want to have their their track play at the end of this? The Nems play a K-pop band by the Nems. Cool.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, I'm so close, I promise. There are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to these things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. It means a lot to me to hear what you have to say about it, and you're helping me without having to spend a single cent on me. I want to help the world have deeper conversations, so thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I was in the podcast with my three things. They shaped my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>